It's good to be here this evening. This is my first time to ever be in the state of Washington. My first time to ever be in the northwest part of the United States of this great nation. You have a beautiful country here in this part of the of the world, and I've enjoyed uh, being here. I've enjoyed having the opportunity to uh, get to know Brother Michael uh, more, and I've enjoyed having the opportunity to knock doors and to uh, meet people here in, in the community that you all live in. It's a very friendly community, and I've, I've enjoyed the time that I've had to get to uh, do this work. I want to ask you this something this afternoon or this evening. How many times have you heard the expression, opportunity only knocks once? You know, sometimes we go and we knock on doors, and sometimes people don't answer. I've always thought when we were knocking on doors and people don't answer the door, this may be the only opportunity that they have to hear the truth. This may be the only opportunity that somebody comes to them and tells them what they need to do in order to be pleasing to the Lord. That opportunity may only knock one time. In many occasions, the expression is so true, opportunity knocks once. Sometimes we don't take advantage of the opportunities that God has given us in life. You know, there's a famous man, Bill Gates. He was once considered the richest man in, in the world. And he would tell you the reason that he became so wealthy is because he was at the right place at the right time. And he had took advantage of the circumstances that he was living in. Sometimes we don't take advantage of the circumstances, of the opportunities that present themselves. I'll give you an example. What about a young man that is uh, growing up and, and at a certain age his heart begins to beat very fast and he sees a young lady that he thinks she's attractive, she's beautiful, I'd like to ask her out. But what if that opportunity is only this time that he has to do so? What if he doesn't take advantage of that opportunity? That opportunity to take this young lady out may be the only opportunity that he has to get to talk to her and take her out on a date. Well, many times, brethren, we don't take advantage of the opportunities that God has given us. There's a story of a grasshopper that, uh, and I know it's just a story, but there's a story of a grasshopper that was not taking advantage of the opportunities that presented itself. The story goes that he was, he was enjoying his life playing his violin. He enjoyed playing music and dancing. Well, one day he saw some ants that were working and they were busy doing things, preparing for the winter that was about to come. Well, he comes to those uh, ants and he says, Hey, I'm hungry. Can you give me something to eat? The ants look at the grasshopper and say, what have you been doing? It's almost winter time. You've got to be prepared for uh, this time. The grasshopper says, no, I've, I've decided I want to play the violin. I'd rather do this. So the ants say to him, go ahead, go dance. Take, 
Take the opportunity to do the things that you want to do instead of working. We can learn some things from that story. First of all, we can learn that there's a time to do things, but there's also a time not to do things. If we fail to take advantage of the opportunities that are before us, that opportunity may be gone forever. I know this is just a fable, but this principle is found in the Bible also. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we can find that there's a season for all things. There's a time for all things. There in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, the Bible says, To everyone, to everything, excuse me, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. The purpose of this uh, passage of Scripture is that there is a time for everything. God presents the right time, and we need to take advantage of that opportunity. You see, we as Christians, we have a responsibility to manage the time that God has given us and use the time wisely. Sadly, many times, those of us that are Christians, we waste our time doing things that are not beneficial to our spiritual well-being. We need to use our time wisely. That opportunity to do that thing that we wanted to do may be lost forever. This evening I want to speak to you about a few things that I believe that the Scriptures teach us that we need to uh, do. The opportunities come and we need to take advantage of these opportunities. The first thing I want to talk about is the Bible teaches us that we need to watch for opportunities to do good. We need to be doing good to those that are around us. And when I talk about doing good, I'm not only talking about giving somebody a glass of water or giving them something to eat or these kind of things, which are important. But I'm also talking about doing good in the spiritual sense. We must realize that, the now, that now is the time. We can't wait until tomorrow. We need to examine what the scriptures say and show that it's important, it's urgent for us to take advantage of the opportunities while today is still present. Notice what Jesus said there in John chapter 9 and verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus himself understood the urgency of doing good to others. He understood the urgency of being obedient to his Father in heaven. And Jesus, of course, is he, he is our great example. He's the master that we are to follow. So we can see the importance 
of using the opportunities that God has presented with us. Every single day, we need to take advantage of those opportunities. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is, the, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. This scripture teaches us that we need to be doing good at all times. We should not wait and say, you know, today's just not the right time for me to do good. I'm going to wait till a better opportunity presents itself. That's the mindset that many people have today. When I was living in Latin America, that seemed to be uh, the mindset of a lot of people. They would say, Tomorrow would be a better time. It would be more convenient tomorrow. Sometimes that's the, the mindset that we have here in America. We say, tomorrow I'm going to do something. When today is when we should be doing it. The Bible says here that if we have the opportunity to do good, we need to be doing it now. He says we should not tell others, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it. When you have it with you. There in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. You see, once we are gone from this world, it will be too late to do good to others. We need to be doing good to others at this time. This same principle is given to us in the New Testament. We've read the Old Testament, but in the New Testament we can see the same principle is given to us to be doing good to others. In Galatians chapter 6, in verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You see, the Bible tells us we need to be doing good to all. I believe that's very important for us to consider because sometimes we have the mindset, well, this person's not a good person. This person's not a Christian, so I don't have to do good to them. They're not my brothers in Christ. No, the scripture says we need to be doing good to all men. But he says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Yes, our brethren are very important to us. We love our brethren. We want to show them our love by supporting them in time of need. But what about fellow man? We need to do good to them. I don't know about here because I haven't, haven't been here long enough. But there in San Antonio where I live, you can see a lot of beggars on the streets. And they'll have signs that will say, uh, I'll work for money or, or, or I'll work for food sometimes they say I, I'm very careful sometimes about giving them money out of my pocket but sometimes I'll give them a, a bottle of water or I'll have water in my in, in my car and I'll say I don't have any money but I'll offer you some water or maybe I'll have a track and I'll say I've got something even better for you this is uh, a track that can uh, Teach you what you need to do in order to be pleasing to the Lord. Of course, most of the time they reject that because they're not looking for spiritual uh, help. 
They're just looking for physical help. But when we have the opportunity, do we do good to others? Our fellow man? We need to be doing that. Because that opportunity may only come one time. I can't imagine what it would be like on the judgment day and be before the Lord and in the corner of my eye see that beggar that I saw in the street. And that beggar would say, hey, I remember you. You were the one that just ignored me. You didn't want to help me at all. I would feel, I would feel miserable at that time thinking, you know, I had the opportunity to help that person. Help them in the spiritual sense. Help them to understand what they needed to do to be pleasing to the Lord. Paul says when we have the opportunity, let us do good to all. Yes, those that are our spiritual family, we need to be doing good to them. But we need to show love towards all mankind. You know, one of the reasons that we need to take advantage of the opportunity today is because we don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow. We don't know what is in store for us the next day. James chapter 4 speaks about this. There in James chapter 4 and verses 13 through 14, the Bible says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? Even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The Bible teaches us here that our life is like a, a vapor. We are here at this moment and all of a sudden we're not here. I don't have to explain that to you because all of us have loved ones. We have uh, people that we love and know that are, have gone from this earth to eternity. They're not here. We didn't think sometimes that they were going to go so fast. But they did. When we think of our lives, we meditate on when we were younger and the life that we are enjoying at this time. We think, wow, time has flown by. Time flies, as we say. Time doesn't have wings, but the Bible does say that it's like a vapor. It will vanish away. This reminds me of when I was living in Tampico in Mexico. There, that, that part of the, the country was on the Gulf Coast. And in the mornings, usually almost every morning, there would be a little bit of fog in the morning. And that fog would be there when I would get out of bed. And I would sometimes drive to other parts of the, of, of the city. But you know... In an hour or two, that fog was gone. The sun was bright. It was a different uh, day. It was, it was hot. The vapor the, had vanished away. The fog had disappeared. From this passage of Scripture, we can learn the urgency for every Christian to do God's will. We need to be doing God's will today. And not put it off until tomorrow. You know, easily. I could have come here and told Brother Mike, like I said, you know, I'm too tired. I, I would rather 
spend uh, some time to rest and, and feel better, then we'll go knock on doors, then we'll go uh, talk to people. But no, I'm here and I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to, that we have the opportunity to speak to others about God's Word. We have to take the opportunity that God has given us at this time. Jesus teaches us the, the principle also there in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is own trouble. I think as citizens of this country, we, we worry too much about tomorrow. Financial security especially about tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'm not saying that it's wrong for us to plan for our retirement. Or it's not, it's not wrong for us to plan what we want to do tomorrow or maybe in the future. But when we put those as our priority and we don't put our spiritual priorities in their place, then we're losing our focus on what is really important to us. That's what Jesus is teaching here. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing, sufficient for the day, its own trouble. We don't know what tomorrow will be, so we need to take advantage of all the opportunities that God has given us today to do His will. Another thing that I think is very important for us to, to consider, there's a warning there's a warning for those of us that are Christians. We need to be taking the gospel message to those that are lost. You know, sometimes we, we, don't, we don't see the importance of knocking doors. We don't see the importance of taking the gospel to those that are lost. But the Bible gives us a warning. Those of us that are Christians, if we are not doing our part... We're going to suffer the consequences. Notice what the Bible has to say. There in Ezekiel chapter 3. And I believe this principle we can apply to us today also. Ezekiel chapter 3 will begin with verse 17. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning for, from me. When I say to the wicked... You shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But this blood I will, I will require at your hand. Verse 19. Yet, if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But... You have delivered your soul. Somebody could say, well, that's in the Old Testament. Yes, it's in the Old Testament. But I believe the principle is still the same today. You and I as Christians, we have the responsibility to warn those outside. Teach them that they need to do God's will. That opportunity is now. We can't lose that opportunity of taking the gospel to those that are lost. The Bible is warning us that we need to take the message to the non-Christians. 
But you know, it's not just the non-Christians that we need to be taking this warning to. We need to be also seeking out those that have fallen away. Those that once were in God's kingdom, but have gone back into the world. Here, Ezekiel tells us that these people will die, but our soul also is in jeopardy if we do not do our part. Of course, this same commandment we find in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, when we have what we call the Great Commission. All of us know what it says, but it says there, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. What does Jesus tell his disciples that he's teaching us? That we need to go and make disciples. Later on in this meeting, I have to, uh, in, my, in my plans, is to speak about what a disciple is. But the Bible teaches us here, Jesus teaches us here, that we need to be going and we need to be making disciples of all nations. We need to teach others to be followers of Christ. We should be thankful that we are followers of Christ. We should be thankful that we have salvation. But we need to be sharing that salvation with others. Listen, brethren, too, too often we wait too long to share with our friends, with our loved ones, what the Word of God has to say about salvation. I was telling this to Brother Michael, I believe. You know, sometimes we wait till people are in the hospital. We wait till our loved ones, our friends are in the hospital, and then we come to the preacher and we say, Hey, my loved one's in the hospital. I need you to come and I need you to pray for them so that they get well. I don't want that person to die. Yes, we don't want them to die. But my question is, why don't we worry about their soul when they're still healthy? When they have the opportunity to obey the gospel. When they have the opportunity to hear about God's love. We need to be doing that now. We can't wait until that opportunity of when it's too late. We need to be doing that now. I ask you this evening, are you teaching your friends, your loved ones about God's love? Are you sharing with them the good news? Or are you just waiting until they're too sick and say, well, they're close to death, so now they need to hear? I know, sometimes we make the excuses. They say, I've, I've talked to them before. They're not going to listen to what I have to say. My family doesn't want to listen to what I have to say. My friends don't want to listen to what I have to say. How do you know? Have you talked to them lately about God's Word? That's what I want to know. That's what you should think about. The Apostle Paul is a good example because he, he tried his best, and I believe that's what God expects of us, is to try our best to teach everyone about the Word of God. Notice what he says. There in Acts chapter 20 and verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. You read that and you think, how in the world can the Apostle Paul say that he is innocent of the blood of all men? 
Who was the Apostle Paul? He was Saul before. And who was Saul? He was the one that was persecuting the church. But he says, I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. So we can see here that the Apostle Paul was willing to take advantage of the opportunities that presented themselves. How many of us take advantage of the opportunities to speak to others about the whole counsel of God, the Word of God? Or sometimes do we just come to our family members because we don't want to offend them, and so what we do is we give them a watered-down version of what the Gospel says. We give them a light version, as we would say. Do we do that because we don't want them to be offended? We can't do that. We need to give them the whole truth and show them what they need to do in order to be saved. And I'm not saying that we have to be mean. I'm not saying we have to be hateful. I'm not saying that we, we every time that we see that person, we just, we just give them the Bible every single time. No. But do we share with them what the Word of God has to say? And, and do, are we concerned about them, about their soul? I believe that is what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here, that we need to be doing. There in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 14, And whoever will not receive you, nor, excuse me, and whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, Shake off the dust from your feet. Alright. There may be people that are not going to accept what we have to say. They may just ignore us. They may not be interested. They may just, I'm not interested. We've had those this week. We've had people that do have done that to us. It doesn't bother me. I worry about them. It bothers me in that sense. But it doesn't offend me because I know that uh, they're not offending me. They don't understand what they're doing. And what we need to do is pray for those kind of people. I'm not saying that we should just give up entirely. Because we need to be doing our part. We need to take advantage of the opportunities to speak to the same people sometimes over and over again. I can remember a few years ago when I was living in, in Mexico, there was there were some Jehovah Witnesses that would knock on my door every Saturday. They were almost every time there was four. There was one gentleman, an older gentleman, he was the same guy every time. The other three were different. But he was insisting and insisting in it. And I finally told him, I said, You know that I'm I'm a preacher. I've told you I'm a preacher, and we've talked about things. He said, I know. He says but you're the only one that would actually uh, talk to me about spiritual things. Everybody else wants to just ignore us. He said, so I come here because I know that uh, you'll, you'll uh, at least have something that's not mean to say to me. Well, I finally did tell him, I said, if you're going to keep coming to my house, let's Let's sit down and let's study the Word of God. Let's, let's study what the Bible has to say, not what your doctrine has to say, not what your books have to say, but what the Word of God has to say. Of course, he didn't want to do that. And I, I sort of figured it out, too, that 
he just kept bringing different people because he, he wanted them to know where I lived, maybe. Or maybe he thought that uh, maybe he was able to teach them uh, and let them listen to what, what I was saying. But I believe sometimes we need to expand our reach. We need to find opportunities to talk to other people. I've told people this at home and they don't believe me, but when I was younger, I was shy. I was very shy. I was one of these guys that I used to go to the preacher studies with my dad when I was very young. And I would just be standing right, right beside my dad. And if somebody would talk to me, I'd, be, I'd stand behind him. And I would get as red as could be. I didn't like to be talked to people. I don't know how that changed, but it changed. For some reason, when I talk to people about the gospel, I'm not as shy as I am in other settings. We have to get out of our comfort zone. And I think we need to teach our brethren in our congregations that they need to get out of their com comfort zone. And take advantage of the opportunity to speak to others about what God's word is. There in Acts chapter 18 and verse 5, it says, When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. We can see here that the Jews were Paul's people. He could relate to them. But since they kept resisting God, they kept resisting him, he said, well, I've got to take advantage of the opportunities that God has given me. I need to go to other people that are lost. We need to do the same thing. We need to go to uh, take the gospel message to other neighborhoods. Maybe we don't feel as comfortable going to neighborhoods where uh, maybe it's considered to be a high crime neighborhood. Well, we need to go when it's uh, a reasonable time to go because these people need to hear the gospel too. I've knocked doors there in San Antonio before when someone come and answered the door with a pistol in their hand and say, hey, what do you guys want? And you tell them, hey, this is why I'm here, you know? It doesn't matter. We've got to take the gospel to all sorts of people. We have to get out of our comfort zone sometimes. We need to take advantage of those opportunities. I want to say one more thing on this and then we'll continue on. Because I told Michael this. And I, and I believe that there are, there are many uh, Corneliuses out there. I believe that there are people that are reading their Bibles at home. And they understand. They understand that the religious world that we live in is, is teaching uh, false doctrine. Those type of people are searching for the truth. If we don't go and knock doors and we don't look for those people, how are they ever going to come to the truth? We have to take the opportunity to take the gospel message to them. That opportunity is now. Let's move on to another point that I believe is very important for us to consider this evening. We should never lose the opportunity in serving God, worshiping Him, and living the Christian life. Not only is it important for us to take the gospel message to others, but we ourselves 
need to be serving God the way He expects us to be doing it. We're going to be judged by how we have served God, how we have served in many ways here on earth. In Matthew chapter 25, we have there in verses 31 through uh, 46 about the judgment. And we know that Jesus speaks here about that he was, he was hungry, and he was thirsty, he was naked, he was a stranger, he was in prison, he was sick, and uh, we visited him. And then he says all these things, and, and you, didn't, you didn't do these to me. And there will be some saying, but when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked, sick or in prison, and did not minister to you? In verse 45, he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. You see, when we, when we help our fellow man, it's like we're helping the Son of God. Because we are the creation of God. We need to be helping one another. We need to be doing that part. The Bible says there in verse 46, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus makes it very clear here that on judgment day, our eternal destination will depend on how we have served God. And part of that service is based on how we treat others, especially our brethren. Really, when you stop to think about it, what Jesus is saying here, how we treat our brethren is how we treat God, how we treat uh, the Son of God. When you think about it, if somebody in the congregation we just can't get along with, and every time we see him we think, ah, there's that brother again. If we don't get that fixed in our mind, and we, we don't look for harmony, we need to look for harmony and love so that we don't have that mindset. Because if we have that kind of mindset towards a brother, I believe that what Jesus is teaching here is that we're also having that mindset towards him because he is the Son of God. We are created in the image of God. We need to be treating others like we want Jesus to, to treat us or how we want God to treat us. We need to be treating others how we want to be treated. How we treat our brethren is how we uh, how we do this. Let me explain it like this. There in Acts chapter 9, when we, we see the conversion of, of Saul, there in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 4, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice from him saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You notice Jesus says to Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, think about it. Jesus, Jesus had already ascended into heaven. How is it that Paul, or Saul at this time, how is it that he's persecuting Jesus? He's persecuting Jesus because he's persecuting his followers. Was Paul literally persecuting Jesus? Of course he wasn't. Jesus was already in heaven. But Saul was persecuting the Christians. And when he was persecuting the Christians, that was the same as persecuting Jesus. 
So think about it. The next time you think about doing something mean-spirited to your brethren, I want you to try to remember that you are doing to him like you're doing to Jesus. As if you were doing it to Jesus. So let's try our best not to lose our opportunities to serve God in all aspects of it. We think about serving God by literally being here for the worship service. That's one way that we serve the Lord. But another way that we serve the Lord is by glorifying Him by living a righteous life. Are we doing that? There's some here, there's some that are not here this evening that have lost the opportunity to serve the Lord in, in the sense that they're not here worshiping. They've lost that opportunity. That opportunity will never come again for them to be here today. They'll have that opportunity again tomorrow. They'll have that opportunity again Sunday. But today, they don't have that opportunity again because they're not here at this moment. We can't go back in time. So we need to take advantage of the opportunity that God has given us today. Another thing that I think is very important for us to consider. We should never lose the opportunity of remaining faithful to the Lord. We talk about serving Him, but also we need to be, be faithful to Him. And that means preparing our lives for eternity. We need to be preparing our lives for eternity. Prepare for the judgment day. There in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus speaks about uh, the, the ten virgins. And he speaks about those that were prepared. And he speaks about those that were not prepared. And those that were not prepared, they, they, they heard that, uh, uh, that the bridegroom was, was going to be coming. And so they come to uh, those that are, are, are prepared and they say, hey... Give us some of your oil. They said, we can't do that. Because if we give it to you, then we won't have enough. So what did those that were unprepared do? They left. They went to buy some. They went to get some. While they were gone, the opportunity came. The bridegroom came. And those that were prepared, they were able to enter in. The Bible says that they will come there in verse 11 of Matthew chapter 25. The urchins came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, As surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. I ask you this evening, what category are we in? Are we living our lives as we are to live them? Are we living our lives to bring honor and glory to the Lord? Are we prepared for eternity? Or are we just living our lives like many people in the world? We just go through the motions. We can't be doing that. Yes, we need to be studying God's Word. We need to live a life of prayer. We need to be attending every service that we can. We need to be here on Sunday morning especially. We need to be doing good to others. We need to love God. We need to be obeying His commandments. All of these things are very important. But I ask you also this evening, are you living a life that is also uh, bringing honor and glory to the Lord? You know where we less, 
where, where many times we less live our lives like we should be living them, and that's at home. That's at home. Sometimes our, 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 our children, they see how we live our lives. Our wife, our, our spouse, sees how we live our lives. They, we can't, we can't deceive our children. We can't deceive our spouse. They see how we live our lives. Are we living our lives the way that God expects us to live our lives? That's very important for us to, to consider. Sometimes I've heard parents tell their children, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> that's not a very good expression, and that's not a very good example. You, if you're going to uh, tell your children to do something, you better be doing it as, as an example, living it as an example. That's very important. So far in this lesson, we're about to finish this lesson. So far in this lesson, we've directed most of these points to those of us that are Christians. But what about somebody that's not a Christian? Maybe there's one here that's not a Christian. And I ask you to consider the things that we've talked about, but also ask you to consider the following. Are you thinking about your spiritual well-being? Are you thinking about eternity? I want you to think about the opportunity that God has given you this evening to be here. Are you not living the Christian life? Well, I want to encourage you to think about living the Christian life. The last point that I want to make is don't lose the opportunity to obey the will of God and be saved. We need to take advantage of that opportunity. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, he says, When then as workers together with, with him also plead with, with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. He doesn't say tomorrow. He doesn't say later. He says now is the acceptable time. Now means that there's no other time. It's now. I want us to understand that we have to take advantage of today. Today may be the only opportunity that we have to obey the gospel. Maybe someone's here and they say, well, I've heard that now for all my life. I've heard that since my grandparents lived. I've heard that for all my life. That uh, Now is the opportunity and I'm still alive. Well, that may be true, but that opportunity may be taken away. We never know. All of us have known people that have died in an accident. They've, they've died of an illness. They've died of other things that at a young age. We never know when death is going to knock on our door, but we need to take advantage of the opportunity to obey the gospel at this time. Jesus says in John chapter 8, and verse 24, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. In Luke chapter 13, and verse 5, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. He says there in Matthew chapter 10, and verse 32, Whoever confesses me before men, I also will confess before my Father that is in heaven.
But notice what he says in verse 33. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father that is in heaven. That's a scary thought there, by the way, in verse 33. Denying the Lord. I'm going to get off track here for a little bit, but sometimes I believe we deny the Lord, not just by our mouth, but by our actions. Do we deny the Lord? If we do that, he's going to deny us before his Father who is in heaven. In Mark chapter 16, and verse 16, for he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These are some of the things that I think that we need to be doing in order to accept the salvation of God. This is what the scriptures teach us. Are you willing to obey the commandments that God has given us? What is preventing you from being saved? What is preventing you from accepting this opportunity? Don't lose the opportunity because you may never have it again. Remember, opportunity only knocks once. That may be true in this case. All of us have lost opportunities in our lives. When I think about my life, there's probably some things that I wish I would have done better. I can't go back in time. But I'm still alive and I've repented of the things that I've done wrong. All of us have thought about that. But don't let us continue losing the opportunity to do better. So can think about these things this evening. I don't know the hearts and minds of those who are here. Like I've said this evening, if you're here and you feel subject to the gospel call, we extend the invitation to you as we, we stand and sing.